0: Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone.
1: Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galanti, along with Andrew P. Shea. Ross Tucker, he'll be along for quarter number two and quarter number three, so he'll be here in a little bit. Let's start with Andy. How are you doing today, sir? You ready to talk some Penn State football?
2: I am ready to talk Penn State football. How are you doing, sir? Uh, We've been chatting lately. Missed you last week. Uh, Sorry, listeners out there that we weren't around last week, but we are glad to have Jimmy back, and we are glad to be back this week, so I hope you're doing okay, sir.
1: I am doing well. I am anxious to talk more Penn State football. You know, Andy, last week, I think that is the first week we have been off of the Keystone kickoff show since we began the show, like six or seven years ago. So that's a pretty good track record, isn't it?
2: Yeah, we do say we talk Penn State football, you know, 365 days and 52 weeks a year, and we literally do that year after year so we stick by what we say we do and that there was a good reason a very valid reason for us to miss last week but we're glad to be back and we do have some very interesting off offseason's always interesting uh every offseason is different this one's no different than the others uh, but i think we have a, a lot of interesting stuff on our plate to talk about uh, for this week, that is sort of off-season related, and some of it's new because we're going to talk about the transfer portal in quarter four.
1: Well, let's let's get to the news. Uh, you alluded to some of the things. Uh, let's hit on one note, uh, one player note. Uh, the transfer portal is a reality in college football right now. Every team loses some players. I think Penn State's been fairly fortunate. Uh, haven't been a lot of major losses, uh, you might argue Will Levis going hurt them, but, uh, most of the others haven't been major, but another player made an announcement where he's going to end up, Cole Brevard, who had entered the transfer portal, and it's a little bit interesting because he announced, uh, his landing spot is going to be Purdue, What makes that a little more fascinating, obviously, Purdue, a Big Ten opponent. Not only that, but the first opponent for Penn State this year. Game one, they could be lining up against a former teammate in Cole Brevard, Andy.
2: Yeah, I, I don't think it's likely that he's playing for Purdue in week one after just choosing them and entering the transfer portal you know, after spring practice, I mean, he's a third-year defensive tackle. He he played one game in two years, and more importantly, from his perspective, he didn't move on the depth chart. Like he didn't make many steps forward in terms of the depth chart. <coughs> excuse me, in those two years, he was a three slash four-star kid in the 2020 class. He's 6'3", 315. He's an inside guy, but. He saw the handwriting on the the wall after spring practice this year, and he entered the transfer portal. Purdue, they do have options at defensive tackle. I think there's more options and availability for him at, at defensive tackle than there is actually at Penn State. So better opportunity. He's originally from Indiana, so he's from the Midwest, gets a little closer to home. It all makes sense, but he wasn't going anywhere At Penn State, part of that is him. A large part of that, I would say, is him. But also part of that is, you know, Penn State has some guys have emerged and the defensive tackle tackle position has been solid in a year-over-year basis for Penn State.
1: I think the only point that makes it interesting is that it is going to a future opponent. Uh, So we'll get to perhaps see him game one. At Purdue Uh, some other fascinating stuff came up this week Andy and that is and I enjoy talking to you about this and that is several games point spreads have come out and this is the way too early point spreads it's it's fascinating especially when you get to those games that are late in the season and they already have point spreads out but I'd like to get uh, some of your quick takes on these let's start with that first game at Purdue um, I think it's a bit of a trap game for Penn State. You might think, well, Penn State versus Purdue. Penn State should be in good shape. But Purdue slayed a couple Giants last year. They're going to be at home. They're going to have a lot of time to prep for this game. But Penn State's a three-point favorite.
2: So I think this is a uh, – the the three-point favorite, at first I was like, well, you look at – two thousand. you can't look at 2021, but you have to take – some of that into account. Purdue lost arguably arguably its two best players for the NFL. They had a, a decent crop of players go to the NFL, including their two best players. So that is a factor. I think the quarterback position, you know, sorry to say this, Penn State fans, but Sean Clifford is going to be a factor in some of these. And I think more than anything, an early point spread on this game has to simply do with the quarterback. Because while Purdue lost, you know, arguably two of its best players. Penn State lost some really good players, too. So that kind of might equal out a little bit. But I think this line for early and it being the first game of the year, smart on Vegas to bet on the quarterback, right? You just you just know that a healthy Sean Clifford, what you saw in the first five games last year, he's not a bad FBS Big Ten quarterback.
1: All right, let's see if we can get through these. uh um... Are you at all so, surprised that Penn State is still listed as a favorite, albeit a small one, a one point favorite at Auburn?
2: Yeah, well, I, I think that's a a hedge and maybe a wee bit of more of the Sean Clifford factor. But remember Auburn kinda of fell off a cliff too last year to a degree, right? Penn State definitely fell off a cliff. Auburn struggled and and had a, you know, very difficult um end of their two thousand twenty one season. So you know, I think that not, you know, both teams are sort of in similar situations. That's a, a, the biggest toss-up game in, in my opinion. And I think the quarterbacks gonna, the quarterback plays a role in that one as well. But I think it's like, well, both teams are kind of like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. So that one makes a lot of sense to me. It really does.
1: Remember a year ago, Sean Clifford, 28 for 32 for 280 yards against Auburn at home. Um at Michigan, six and a half point underdog yeah, that's that one i th- you, you
2: you think that should be higher, right doesn't it feel like that should be higher, Jimmy? I think that feels to me like it should be higher, Penn State on the road, but Michigan was a one year wonder right me- Mi- uh, the three years prior to to two thousand twenty one Michigan was an overall big ten. Big stage FBS, they were a disappointment. Jim Harbaugh, it was a little warm in his kitchen. So, the one year wonder with some of the players that they lost they lost both their edge rushers. That was a they, they lost their linebacker, they, they lost their safety. They lost as much on the defensive side of the ball as Penn State did. And their offense wasn't swifty wifty. There was nothing you know that scared you about Michigan's offense. So They were a bit of a one-year wonder, got exposed in the college football playoffs for what they were a little bit. But my opinion is this probably should maybe be a little higher, but it also feels like, hmm, with everything being equal, this could be a game that Penn State might be able to win. I I, I swear to gosh.
1: Okay, how about a nine-point favorite at home with Minnesota? Minnesota's
2: going to struggle. There's just no doubt about it. They, they've, they lost a ton of players. They haven't recruited well. They haven't recruited poorly, but they haven't recruited well. There's, that's a fine line, I know. But in the last two years, they've sort of been in sort of that bottom 30 to 40% in terms of their recruiting in some respects, and they've lost a lot of their really good players I don't think this is enough points. I think Penn State could, could possibly roll Minnesota because I think this is going to be a, a really tough year for the Gophers.
1: At Ohio State, a 13-point underdog.
2: Well, it's,
1: it's at Beaver Stadium, so that's a, No, no. That's a, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're correct. I'm sorry. My bad. Yeah,
2: it's at Beaver Stadium. So basically, Vegas is saying this is a three-score game. In, 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 in essence, they're saying three-score game. Ohio State is a three-score favorite in this game, and I don't know. You got till October 29th early. It makes sense. It's it's it should be three scores going into the preseason. It should be. See how it plays out in you know September and early October. But three scores makes perfect sense to me right now
1: and definitely in the way too early final game of the year is home against Michigan state, uh, Penn state is six and a half point favorite.
2: They, they, they can't, they can't beat Michigan state. They can't, that has to be a factor. They can't beat Michigan state. They struggle with that team. That's their sort of under James Franklin. They're sort of the nemesis team. They're their team. That's sort of, you know, kicks him in the gut and gives him a solar plex punch. That 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 hurts on many fronts, right? The, the Michigan State has torpedoed a couple Penn State seasons. They struggle to beat that team no matter who the coach is. I always think that any line above three, whether it's for Michigan State, because of the struggles Penn State has, is way too many points to give away.
1: My overall take on these spreads, Andy, is it feels like Penn State has been given the benefit of the doubt more often than not in these spreads. Now, one other number that came out, uh, an over-under win total for the regular season, they placed Penn State at 8.5. In other words, Penn State wins nine games, you win the over, uh, only win eight, you would lose it. My real quick analysis of this, Andy, is – I found seven games they should win. I'm going to say Michigan and Ohio State, they should lose. That leaves three games at Purdue, at Auburn, and home to Michigan State. For them to cover that eight and a half wins, they have to win two out of three. Purdue, Auburn, Michigan State. What do you say?
2: Uh, I say say – not eight and four seems like a high water. That seems like a high water mark. Nine and three doesn't seem realistic to me. It really doesn't. I mean, I know they started five and zero oh last year, but look how they finished. They're 11 and 11 the last two years. I mean, they brought in a top 10 recruiting class. I get that, but that's not a factor. Is this the, is this the healthy Sean Clifford over a 12 game schedule that they're counting on? I mean, They have pieces, right? All I want to say is they have pieces, and that's what this is all about.
1: Hopefully they have enough of those pieces, Andy. Okay, that is it for quarter number one. Stick around. Quarter number two, Ross is back, and we are going to get back to Ross's scouting reports on the Class of 22. Stay tuned for that.
3: This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years, This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State-Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there.
4: What defines the special spirit of Penn State?
0: It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone.
1: And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante. It's quarter number two. You know what that means. We welcome in Ross Tucker. Ross, it's great to be back with you.
6: It's great to be on, Jim. Uh, After a week off, I'm excited to, to get back to it with you.
1: Same here, Ross, same here. And you know what? Not only was last week off, but for a few weeks we were distracted by the NFL draft and some other things. We got away from your scouting report for the Class of 22. Today we get back to it, so I'm excited as always about that. But before we get started, just a quick reminder that in partnership with Collegiate Athletic Travel, Keystone Sports, we're offering the opportunity to travel to the Auburn-Penn State football game. Charter flight, you get to stay at the team hotel. Transportation to and from the game. A great tailgate party at the stadium. I'm going to travel along with that. So is Dustin. We both are really anxious. Hope you can make it also. If you want more details, you go to AthleticTravel.com, or you could call 800-788-4414. All right, Ross, let's get to it. We've tried to group the players for your scouting report, so we do the quarterbacks together, we do the running backs together. Today, it's safety day, so let's get right to it. Let's start with K.J. Winston. Six foot one one ninety out of Hyattsville, Maryland, and you know what? it doesn't seem like they recruit a lot of guys who are classified as safeties they out of high school anyway, they get cornerbacks and then convert them, or they go up to Lackawanna College to get safeties but k j winston he's a safety, right?
6: yeah, I'm pretty confident that's the position he'll play, although. You know he could end up playing wide receiver. I mean, he's good enough as a receiver that he could play on that side of the ball. Uh, you know, it's you know what I really like, Jim. I like watching these guys with knowing very little about them. I don't read about them specifically because of what we do here. Now, certain guys, obviously, I'm familiar with Singleton, being from Reading. And I've heard about Aller. And you hear about some of these guys. But most of them, I don't know, 90% of them, I know almost nothing about. I really liked K.J. Winston. You know, I don't know how to describe it other than he just gets it. You know? Like, certain guys, it seems like, it just comes naturally to them and that he's able to see things ahead of time that other people just can't. I wrote down baller. I mean, he's just a baller. So, all three phases, right? Whether you're talking offense, defense, special teams, he just knows the things to do to make plays. He's doing it at DeMatha Catholic, which is, you know, one of the best programs in the country historically. Penn State's gotten a lot of kids from there over the years. They've sent a lot of kids to a lot of places. It's a powerhouse high school. He's a ball hawk. Um, you know, sometimes I don't know, Jim, whether some of these guys, you know, he, he's just exceptional at finding the ball or the ball finds him. You know, but it's the same difference, right? Like one way or the other, whether it's interceptions or forcing fumbles or recovering fumbles, the guy is like a ball magnet on the defensive side of the ball. He has very good, but I would say not elite size or speed. But he uses both well. So he's 6'1", 190, which is a really nice size, safety, really nice. Now, it's not like exceptional 6'2", 6'3", over 200 pounds. But I'm sure he'll be a 200-pound athlete for them. And he runs well. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he runs away from people. but And part of it might be because he is 6'1". You know, he's got longer legs, longer strides, but he's not... An absolute, he's not like a 4-3 kid, but he just uses both very well. He has a great, like I could honestly see him being a core special teamer early. And then, um, I, I would not be shocked if he played offense in his career. Wouldn't be shocked if he played defense. I think he'll end up playing safety. He has a great sense of space and timing as a wide receiver with excellent acceleration. So this is what I'm talking about, Jim. You're talking about a guy that I think is a safety, yet you watch him run routes and he just ran circles around people. I mean, he just, he just made people look bad. I mean, he, he really, now it's high school kids, but the plays against a pretty good level of competition. And he just did such an awesome job with the stutter, step, stop and go. You know, he would get on the corner and then put a second gear in. I mean, he just knows how to change his pace to get open. So really, really liked his acceleration. You know what he does, Jim, is he he, he like... He's going like three-quarters speed, and the corner's like, okay, I got him. I got. Him. And then he turns it on. And the corner's like, oh no. Like, you know, he, he just he just gets it. I've said that a bunch of times already. Then on defense, just tremendous instincts. I mean, as a safety and coverage, did an excellent job, middle of the field, you know, being able to find the ball, make plays. He has great range on the back end. In the run game, he did a nice job running the alley and knowing where the ball was going to pop out and making open field tackles. He likes to be physical. You know, you can tell he wants to come and lower the boom. And then probably what ends up impressing me as much as anything, you know, he's got a bunch of blocked kicks off the edge. Those are hard to get, but he comes off the edge and blocks kicks. Then he has a couple kick returns for touchdowns. I mean, some kids, the sport comes naturally for them. And if you're that good as a route runner, that good with your instincts on defense, you're able to bend the edging, block kicks, you're able to return kicks for touchdowns, it just comes easy for him. I gave him an 8.0, could be 8.1, 8.2. He's a really, really good prospect, I thought. I just didn't know if he has the elite speed that you know, would have made him a, a, a higher, high, more highly touted guy. The one thing
1: when you talk about he gets it and has the instincts for the game, I would think, Ross, playing safety, that's important. It's Being able to read the game, have those kind of instincts. If I were to talk about Jaquan Brisker, I would say those kind of things. He gets it. Is that
6: positionally important at safety? So I think it's – I think the older I get, the more I do this. I think it's more important than people realize at every position, but especially so at safety. You know, safety, a lot of times you're not playing man-to-man. It's an instincts position. Is it a run? Is it a pass? If it's a pass, where is it going? If it's a run, where is it going? And it's funny because I had – Greg Cosell, the NFL Films guru, on my latest Raw Sucker Football podcast, and that's exactly, Jim, what he said about Brisker. He said exactly what you just said about Brisker, which is he said he's one of his favorite players in the draft because he just has tremendous instincts in every aspect of the game. Well, when you think about football analysis, you think Greg Cosell,
1: you think Jim Galante.
3: That's
1: just typical, <laughs> Ross. All right, let's quickly, let's get to the other one. Tyrese Mills, 6'205", familiar story, safety out of Lackawanna College. What would you see on his tape?
6: Yeah, I mean, he's got a heck of shoes to fill, right? I mean, Brisker and then Jair Brown, that has become an absolute factory at this point from Lackawanna. And he's the next one. He's got nice size uh, with really good instincts in every aspect of playing safety. Stop me if you've heard this one before, right? (laughs) So he shows the ability to key and diagnose as a middle-of-the-field safety. So it's like three deep. He's in the middle of the field versus both the run and the pass. So, you know, obviously if it's a pass, you know, he's able to get over there and make a play on the football, right? If it's a run, he's able to diagnose it. And that's the thing that probably jumped out to me the most, Jim. When he IDs it as a run, right, he explodes through the alley and into the running back with contact, I mean, he lowers the boom. He is looking to inflict damage when he runs the alley, which I like. He wants to be an enforcer. Heck yeah, go for it. Um, he's a good one-on-one tackle in the open field, too. Those are two different things, right? One of them is making sure you get the guy down, even though there's a lot of space around you. The other is when there's an opportunity really delivering a blow, you know, like the Georgia kid, you know, Louis seen from Georgia, you know, really. And, and he wants to do that. He wants to be that kind of guy. The other thing I really liked is that he showed good technique and ability as a man-to-man defender. You know, sometimes safeties have to be man-to-man, especially with tight ends. And if you're going against a good tight end, that's important. You got to match up. Brisker does that. Mills showed he could do that against good competition, right? I mean, he's playing for lack of one. He's playing junior college. These are junior college kids. He's a freshman and sophomores in college. So I also gave him an 8.0. You know, Mills looked a little bit better, but he's a year or two older. And he's, you know, a, uh, he's a junior college kid, but I, I like both those. I think, I think both those guys have a chance to play. And and Mills obviously play early, but I think both those guys have a very real chance to to be starting safeties for Penn State. Okay, Ross, very
1: promising scouting reports on the safeties. Very good. That's it though for quarter number two. Stick around in quarter number three. It's time to ask Ross. This is where we take your questions. You want to stay tuned for that.
3: This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years. This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State-Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there.
4: In his book, Why Penn State? author greg woodman takes readers on a trip back in time to happy valley in the 1980s a unique era of gridiron success and rapid expansion that gave our university its modern identity whether you're traveling down memory lane or discovering old states past for the first time this compilation of rare photos original essays and exclusive interviews helps you explore the why behind we are start your journey today order online at whypenstate.com.
0: Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone.
1: And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galanti. I'm with Ross Tucker. And it's time to ask Ross. This is where we'll take your questions for Ross. And the best question at the end wins the KSN, the coveted KSN polo shirt. If you want to submit a question for Ross, really easy. Just download our app, Keystone Sports. You'll see the Ask Ross button, and there you go. All right, Ross, you ready for the questions? I am. All right, let's start. Let's, this came in a couple of weeks ago. I wanted to get to it. Let's do it. Matt from Acton, Massachusetts says, Jim and Ross, with the conversation from the Blue-White game and Campus Insider info, I need your help. It's sort of a bucket list item of mine to visit Penn State for a football game. COVID really put this idea on hold, but can you give me any advice for planning and timing as well as recommendations for lodging and the best places to eat? Ross, he wants to come in the Happy Valley What's your advice.
6: Well, I would tell you, first of all, I am not the best person to ask for this because I don't get a chance to go to Penn State very often or go to many Penn State games because I'm a broadcaster doing other games. So probably not the right person to ask um, in general. And I know, Jim, you have some thoughts. Um, I guess what I would tell you, if you can and this is a bucket list item, I would try to go to the whiteout game. Now, that's the most popular game. It's the toughest ticket. It's the most expensive. So any game is a great atmosphere, but that that takes it to another level. Uh, What I would say, though, is if you can go and get there a day or two early, you know, get there Friday if you can, lodging we got you we got you uh we got you hooked up with gopsURv.com. that's a no-brainer um but get up there on friday do they still do a pep rally or anything like that jim or no um i not that i'm aware of
1: but one of the things if you could get in on thursday typically there's the coaches show thursday night which creates a, a nice atmosphere but I think you hit it. you got to get in early. you got to soak it up for the weekend. Um, the whiteout game is going to be interesting this year. It's usually been alternating Michigan and Ohio State uh, for years and always a night game. Last year, of course, it was Auburn. But this year, Ohio State at Penn State, Ross, is probably going to be a noon game because it will probably be on Fox. So they're debating whether to make that one the whiteout, which I think might take a little bit away from it. But it's still Ohio State.
6: Yeah, you and, can't do a whiteout, though, at noon. It's not the same. They can't do that. they got to make another game, another night game, the whiteout game. You, you can't do it. Um, that stinks, by the way. Uh, hey. so, so anyway, what I would say, the real obviously, get there super early and tailgate. That should be your yes. food. But also, get in the stadium a good 45 minutes before the game so you can see the blue band come out on the field and experience the drum major, you know, doing the flip and all that. you got to get – that's part of the experience, Jim.
1: It is. It, it's the weekend experience. It's going downtown on Friday. It's uh, tailgating prior to the game. You're right, it's it's seeing the blue band prior to the game. It's a whole weekend of events, so Matt, definitely do it. If you can't do the Ohio State game, I think there's a couple conference home games in October. They have Minnesota, and I think it's Northwestern. It's just starting to turn fall, so you get that feel. It's football weather. It's a great experience. Come in and do it. Make a full weekend of it. All right, let's, um, let's go with uh, Joe from the Skook. Joe says, Ross the Boss, great work on the Dan Patrick Show. Have you seen the multiple early 2023 NFL draft projections with Will Levis projected as a top 10 pick? What do you think of that? And what do you think James Franklin feels about that?
6: Well... Um, obviously it all depends on how he plays this year. Uh, But, you know, I had some people at Penn State tell me, I might have told you this, Jim, but back when the decision was, is it going to be Sean Clifford or Tommy Stevens? Who's going to be the starter? And really, I I still think it was going to be Tommy Stevens, but Penn State wouldn't guarantee him that, so he transferred to Mississippi State but um, when that was the case, I had some Penn State people say, listen, if you came to our practice and you just watched them, the one who looks like the future first round pick is Will Levis. You know, Levis was the biggest of them, like strongest, fastest. He's just a specimen. I mean, he really is an impressive physical specimen but he hadn't he was younger than the other two guys hadn't really put it all together and honestly even when he played at Penn State and got some opportunities he showed he could run jim but he didn't really appear to be a very polished passer and i i just think clifford being ahead of him in years and clifford just got the intangibles of the leadership and he had the offense down. I think it, I think it was tough for Levis to beat him out. I think that's not to say that he might not have been able to this past year, if he had stayed there and competed or if Clifford was struggling, it is kind of crazy to think how different Penn state season could have been. You know, Levis could have come in against Iowa and maybe they win that game. And then maybe they keep Levis in there against Illinois and win that game. And, and maybe they just keep Levis in there at that point. You know, who knows? But would have been a very, very different season. There's no way around it. I think he's still going to have to show more to get drafted that high. But he certainly physically looks like a first-round pick. And did a great job for Kentucky last year. But they had a really good offensive coordinator who got the OC job with the LA Rams now. You know, he's going to he's gonna have to show he can do it with another coach. And now that he's a little bit more of a known commodity in the SEC. And I think Franklin is probably happy for him. And probably just, um, you know, a little disappointed, bummed out maybe that, you know, he wasn't able to keep him, you know, wasn't able to still have him there because maybe he'd be starting for them.
1: I also get the sense a lot of those early rankings are based on potential. As you said, he looks like an NFL quarterback, big, strong. He's also mobile, but uh, he needs to refine those skills. Let's move on. Let's go to Randy in Arlington, Virginia, who says, Ross, I really enjoy your scouting reports on the incoming freshmen, but how hard is it to judge a player when you're only watching their best
6: highlights? That's a really good question. That, that's a really, really good question. Um, it's why, you know, I've had this debate with people because there are some that will say you got to watch a full game. You got to see how they are on their bad plays. You got to see what their efforts like. And I and I would tend to agree with that. However, I've heard other people say, listen, for high school prospects, what you're really trying to get is prospects. You really want the biggest, fastest, most explosive athletes, right? And most of the time, that is what they're recruiting, Jim. They're recruiting bodies. They're recruiting potential. And so they would argue, it's more about the physical traits and what they can be, as opposed to what they already are. And you can see those physical traits And the highlights show what they can be. And that's really what is more important. So it's a a heck of an argument. Um, And it's a heck of a discussion. I think ultimately you can see most of what you need to see from the highlights. And that the full game would be more of a differentiator between two guys you might offer, or two guys you might take after you offer, stuff like that. But you're really looking, Jim, for height, weight, speed, instincts, physicality, um, and you can see that, honestly, Jim, two minutes. Two minutes for most of these guys, you can see what you need to see.
1: Is there? A and, and that's a good an point, analogy? by the
6: way. If your first two minutes aren't good, aren't your best stuff, then you can kind of forget about it. Is
1: this argument a little bit analogous to the Will Levis discussion, where he's maybe being placed in those mock drafts so high because of just the potential he has—big,
6: strong guy with a big arm? Uh, yes. Yeah, that's a big. It, it's still, it's still a factor in the NFL too. In the now, in the NFL. They watch like every snap you play, okay? And so if you're a potential guy, those guys usually get drafted more third or fourth round. the NFL, you got to kind of usually show that you can do it.
1: Okay, let's quickly sneak one more in. David from Lancaster says, last week you talked about money going to NIL instead of facility
6: upgrades. Isn't that a good thing? Absolutely. Yes. I I don't think anybody could argue otherwise. I would much rather have the money go to the players on the field than, you know, have, I don't know, gold-plated sinks in the locker room. I mean, the because the reality is they start just doing ridiculous things because that's how they get the players to go there. So the model has always been pay the coaches more, and make the facilities more ridiculous because you're not allowed to give the money to the players. I'd much rather have the players getting some more money for their services and what they're providing than having these coaches get $10 million a year and the assistant coaches making over a million, all that stuff. If it's about
1: talent acquisition, get the money to the talent. All right, that's it for quarter number three. Stick around in quarter number four. We'll name our winner and Andy Shea will be back.
3: This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years. This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to AthleticTravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there.
4: What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com.
0: We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystonesportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone.
1: And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number four. I'm Jim Galanti, and we have returning Andrew P. Shea. Andy, before we get started. With our topic of the day, just want to announce our winner from the Ask Ross segment, and that was Randy from Arlington. So, Randy, we will be getting in touch with you about your KSN polo, the much coveted KSN polo. All right, Andy, here's the topic I wanted to ask you about. We, of course, off season a lot of conversations, transfer portal, NIL. What I wanted though to hit on. Forgetting about the general transfer portal, what it means, is it good, is it bad? It is. It exists, and our team's taking advantage of it. Let's talk about Penn State, not about their losses. Let's talk about the guys that Penn State brought in. First, though, I want to ask you about the philosophy at Penn State bringing in players from the transfer portal. Because I think it's a little bit different than obviously what you're seeing at, say, Michigan State or Nebraska, where they are very much relying on bringing in quantity from the transfer portal. Penn State seems to be pretty particular about who they bring in, aren't they? I would
2: use the term they are judiciously selective, and the reason they do that is actually I I believe – the way Penn State handles a transfer portal, it's to benefit the actual player. Like, it helps them. Did Arnold Abikidi make a difference for Penn State? Yes, but Arnold Abikidi was looking for something, and Penn State said, we have the opportunity to offer you exactly what you're looking for. So I think they identify the guys that they, that they can actually accommodate their needs. They don't do a volume right they do selective but they do selective based on accommodating the player it makes sense from the way james franklin presents himself and the way this staff operates like he opportunity is a big word for him and the guys they brought in for 2022 i'm sure opportunity and legitimate opportunity not that sort of you know coach speak selling opportunity legitimate opportunity exists for these players, and I think each one of these chose Penn State based on what the, the recent Penn State players ha, uh, and the transfer portal, how that has played out for them.
1: And I'm going to use the expression, he's looking to preserve the culture at Penn State. And I think you run a risk when you bring in players from outside through the transfer portal. How does that play in the locker room? How does that play with the rest of the players? You know, there's always been talk about, you know, should they have brought in another quarterback over the last couple of years? Could they have gotten someone better than Sean Clifford? And and I'm not going to say they wouldn't have if there was a premier quarterback to come in. But I'm not sure they would have been comfortable bringing in a guy who, well, he may end up competing with Sean Clifford or the backup position, And it becomes perhaps even a split locker room. I think James Franklin is very much about having the right culture at Penn State. So I think when he brings someone in through the transfer portal, it's no different than when he recruits them. He wants to vet the player quite a bit. He wants to be sure he's the right guy. And when they bring in a guy from the transfer portal, it's the same way. And it's why he's more comfortable bringing in a guy who he had previously recruited because, in a sense, they've already gone through that vetting process. So with that said, three transfer portal players brought in, Andy. Let, let's go through them. Let's start with Hunter Norzad. He's a, um, going to be a guard at Penn State. He came from Cornell, from the Ivy League. He was actually a, played tackle. They are at Cornell. He will be competing for a job at guard. And by the way, what's interesting is he does have, even though he graduated college at Cornell, he has two years of eligibility remaining.
2: Yeah, that was a something I was going to point out right away. He, despite graduating, he still has two years of eligibility left because of the Ivy League um, lost season. He was an All-American. That. You said as well, he mostly played right tackle. He will probably play guard. Penn State had one of the worst rushing offenses in the nation last season. This guy is a bulldozer. Um, and based on what I've seen in the Penn State pipeline in terms of the offensive line right now, they're very thin on talent and depth. And they have a lot of question marks when it comes to production. So opportunity for Hunter Norzad Is there? I think he came to Penn State for a reason. I think he believes he can play right away. I know you're a big fan. I kind of believe he can play right away as well. So what I say about Hunter Norzad, I'd be mildly surprised if he was not a starter against Purdue. I said it. I know you've been begging me to say, well, what do you think about Hunter Norzad? I would be surprised if he was not a starter against Purdue. At the very least, I see him as a sixth, offensive lineman swing option because he can play both inside and outside. I, and that's that is at, and if that's the worst case scenario that's a win for Penn State. But something tells me that this kid might find his way into the top 5.
1: And Andy, it appears Landon Tengwall is staking his claim to the left guard position. Right guard is not filled yet. There's talk of Salim warmly who could have been a starter last year except he was injured. Um, but that position is still open, and I also do like the versatility. I like the fact that he has tackle experience. That may not be how you want to start the season. However, you know, stuff happens, You and if you have a need, you know there's a guy who has experience at that position at the very least. So I, I think it was a great pickup. And like you, I I would not be surprised if uh, come game one he he's actually a starter. Um, next player on our list, Mitchell Tinsley from Western Kentucky. Now, as you went into this off season, in my head, Andy, I didn't have wide receiver as a position of need. It seems like every year when that top receiver moves on, someone else just gets promoted right. up to the number one guy. Parker Washington seemed to be in that position to move up to the number one guy. But the more I found out about Tinsley, the more I thought about it. When you're playing three wide receivers at a time often and you want to go too deep, you're talking about you know six guys potentially who could get on the field and play. I think this was a real good pickup, and I'm not looking at this guy as a backup. I think he may be one A or one B.
2: Yeah, it's, so for Mitchell, I don't think Penn, he, Penn State getting him was a was not a need. I think it was more of a a want. And he's he's has the kind of production that make makes you stand up and pay attention, right? He's six foot one eighty. He brings production to the table. The other thing is the Hilltoppers had a very talented quarterback throwing to him last year. That's part of the equation. He's a fringe NFL guy, right? Uh, And he had a big arm. But his production, 87 catches, 1,400-plus yards, 14 touchdowns, 16.1 a catch. That is off the charts. That's bona fide wide receiver one. The key of Penn State is they got to find a sort of niche or spot for him. He has to be part of that, and they have to kind of, Find one or create one for him, but I agree with you. It's possible he could emerge as Penn State's you know wide receiver one. It's because he plays bigger than his size, a little like Jahan Dotson. He's he's not huge. He's six foot one eighty, but he plays bigger than that. The way he creates space for himself and frees himself up. So, you know, can he? It, Sean Clifford throws a different ball than the quarterback he had last year. It's going to be an adjustment for him. There, that is definitely a factor. But you know. He's a good, Clifford is a really good supporting actor. He's gone, with Hamler and Dotson, both have gone to the NFL. Clifford played a small role in that. And lastly, I just want to emphasize, don't be fooled by Tinsley's size. He's got a little bit of Jahan Dotson in him where that's sort of whatever the height measurement is, it doesn't translate or look like that on the football field.
1: And what it does, again, this is a position where you're playing multiple guys, it's not an either-or. <laughs> well, nope. if he comes in, that bench is Parker Washington. No, there's more. And what it does is I think it takes pressure off every one of the guys, you know, starting with Parker Washington. And whether you, which one you want to make one, I'm calling them 1A and 1B, doesn't really matter. But it takes a little bit of pressure off then Keandre Lambert-Smith. He doesn't necessarily have to – have the pressure of working up in the pecking order. Same thing with Malik Mega, and any of the other guys that are coming in after that. It just eases the pressure in that position. So another great pickup. Finally, and I I don't think it's gotten the play that it should. Maybe it's because it happened so fast. Damian Robinson from Maryland. He was a big-time recruit. Penn State recruited him heavily. And... He came in, he will be an edge guy, a defensive end here at Penn State, Yep. and he's got three years of eligibility left. This was another really big-time pickup for them.
2: I I think Penn State might have struck gold for the second consecutive year in a position of need with this guy. I I really do. 6'4", 250, like you said, he was a five-star prospect inside of all the top 50 lists. He was the number one player out of Maryland, Penn State one of them. He played 13 games. He played all 13 games for Maryland last year as a true freshman. He only had one start. He was playing linebacker. They play a more of a 3-4 defense, so he's an outside linebacker in that. He's a better 4-3 rush defensive end. It's not that he can't play outside linebacker in the 3-4. He's just better suited as a pure 4-3 defensive end. Arnold Abikidi last year. Damian Robinson this year, he is going to be number 1. He has it's just there's no he has NFL draftable skills, Jimmy. He has an he has a large toolbox of talent. He didn't leave Maryland after playing in every game last year as a freshman to stand on the sidelines at Penn State and learn something. Opportunity is there. Penn State has it. It is a huge 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 need for Penn State. And it looks like right out of the gate, they may have struck gold. Last year, there were questions. Is Arnold? Can Arnold do it? I'm not sure you can have those same questions about Robinson, to be honest.
1: You're obviously high on him. I think the one thing to remember, though, Ibekidi was a veteran. One year of eligibility left. This is a guy with three years. All the physical skills are there. Might take him a little bit. He may not be like Arnold Ibekidi in game one but he's going to be very good. All right, Andy, that is it for the show. Thank you all for listening. Be sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show.
3: This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years. This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included for more information go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414 see you there
4: In his book, Why Penn State, author Greg Woodman takes readers on a trip back in time to Happy Valley in the 1980s, a unique era of gridiron success and rapid expansion that gave our university its modern identity. Whether you're traveling down memory lane or discovering old states past for the first time, this compilation of rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews helps you explore the why behind we are. Start your journey today. Order online at whypennstate.com.